Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people... It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. This is the best of the Jason Smith Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hey! Did you see the World Series is tied? Yeah, you know who won the Astros? No, they don't play anymore. Not the Expos, the Astros. No, I don't want to go have dinner at Mastro's. The Astros. No. No, no, no. Not Buzz Lightyear at Blastro's. Astros. Never mind. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show. Jason, Mike Harmon. I bet you there's still a lot of people going, wait, the Astros are the American League? <laughs> what the hell's going on here? Uh, they are? I, I can't believe that. The Astros, in an absolute thriller, beat the Dodgers by the final of 7-6. So many twists and turns in this game. 
Dodger fans are heartbroken. Astros fans are elated. Kenley Jansen gets beat in the ninth inning, gives up two runs. A questionable pitching decision by Dave Roberts that looked like a genius early on, looked awful later on. He'll be second-guessed forever. A pickoff attempt hits an umpire in the thigh, and maybe that helps push the game towards the Astros. A major league record, eight home runs in this game tonight. Oh, by the way, global warming affecting the game. So much strategy, so much drama. The Astros come from two down to tie the game in the ninth. They take a two-run lead in the tenth. The Dodgers get two to tie it. The Astros get two in the top of the eleventh. The Dodgers get one in the bottom of the eleventh. There was so much in this game. And to be fair, if you want to say, ah, people want to jump away right now, oh, it's the greatest World Series game of all time. Well, hang on a second. There have been some incredible great World Series games of all time. Don't forget about the Kirk Gibson home run. Don't forget when the Blue Jays beat the Phillies 15-14 back in 93. Don Larson had a perfect game. You had Carlton Fisk's home run. You had, oh, by the way, the Buckner game. You had the Diamondbacks winning the World Series off of Mariano Rivera. You had Bill Mazarowski's home run. To put it in perspective, because I don't want people to think you didn't see one of the greatest World Series games of all time, but tonight's game was a periphery top 10 game of all time. That That's about If you want to say with all the twists and turns and everything you wanted, it had excitement, it had drama. Well, you had a guy had, jump into the Astros' bullpen. Yeah, he wanted to come in and pitch. Well, he jumped in there and he was tackled by two guys <laughs> very, very quickly. You have questionable strategy. You have everything. We got tacos. And we got tacos. I mean, what, really, the tacos puts it over the top. This is a periphery top 10 World Series game of all time. I mean, is it? can you say... Was it better than the Cardinals-Rangers game from five years ago that went 11 innings when David Freeze was down to the fi- down to his final strike and he hits a triple? It, it, you know, it, the games had that too. So, you have, I think to be fair, periphery top 10 game of all well, time. Oh, yeah, eight home runs, most in World Series history. So, people got the long ball. And in their heads, they heard Berman. There's no question about it uh, as you roll through back, back, as back, well. Back. So, when we, we talk about this game, you'll, you'll talk about the pitching changes, the number of heroic moments, the Astros bats waking up, George Springer being the, the guy that you raise your hand saying, when, when's he going to make an appearance? Finally did in a big grand moment today. And Brandon McCarthy, first outing since October 1st. I can't get that out of my head. You know, former White Sox prospect all those years ago, Jason. So. <laughs> but, here's, but here's why. Here's why. You question Dave Roberts, and you can second guess. He'll be second guessed forever, because a lot of times managers, when you make a bad move, like not bringing your closer in and leaving in the bullpen, and you lose a game, that's something that hey, you know what? That was horrible, and there's no defending that. But second guessing is different. Dave Roberts pulled Rich Hill from this game after four innings, and he was dominant. He sixty seven, pitches, sixty pitches, seven strikeouts, and it was after, after four. He was not struggling. It's not like they put a bunch of guys on base. He allowed a base hit to drive in a run from second base, struck out the next two guys, got out of the next inning, and he comes out of the game after four innings. Three hits, three walks, and was erratic early. Right, right but First he, inning, he scuffled quite he scuffled a bit trying bit, to find the zone. There was no reason to take him out at that point because the Astros got their run in the third inning. He gets out of the fourth inning very easily, and he comes out of the game. And they go to Meta, who pitches well. 
They go to Tony Watson. Then they go to Stripling, who they pull from the game right away because he walks the leadoff batter when they have a two-run lead. And then you have Morrow comes in, pitches an inning, and Jansen comes in in two innings and blows a save, and the Dodgers go on to lose the game. It's not about Kenley Jansen. It's not about bringing Jansen. Jansen's come in for six-out saves plenty of times. Just It just happens. Guys blow saves. Now, the bad part for the Dodgers is that, historically, when dominant closers blow games like this, it forever tilts the series in favor of the other team. Mariano Rivera, the times he blew saves in the World Series, the other team went on to win. When he blew saves in the ALCS, other team went on to win. It happens. When your closer blows a game like this, sometimes that tilts momentum forever in the favor of the other team. But that's not questionable because Jansen's done this all season. But the fact that after that, you had nobody left. I mean, you're bringing in Fields, who gives up two runs. Two home runs two home and runs, the double. Yep. And the double. Then you bring in McCarthy, who gives up two runs on the big home run. You had nobody left. You used Maida. You used Watson when Rich Hill could have gone more than four innings. And that was needlessly using his relievers. I mean, just in, in theory to say, I'm going to pull Rich Hill out of a game who was good enough to start the game, and I'm going to bring in a guy who was not good enough to start a game and made it, but I trust him so much in the bullpen. It's like, so, you know, what, what do you want to do? You know, what do you want to do here? There was no reason to take Rich Hill out. If Rich Hill had gotten in trouble in the fifth inning and you pull him, all right, fine. But Hill had gotten out of the fourth inning pretty easy. It wasn't like he escaped and there was the bases loaded and there was, you know, there was nobody out and somehow, he, you know, he got a couple of big pitches to end the fourth inning. The Astros' top of the fourth was a walk, a fly out to right, strikeout looking, strikeout looking. That was it. Struck out Verlander looking. That was, that was it. We're getting back to the top of the order for the second time. That was it. Rich Hill was done. So, you know, if you had had Maida for the top of the 10th to be your long guy, if you were able to go for another inning or two for Rich Hill to get to Stripling and then tomorrow and the game comes out that way, maybe we're still playing, but the Dodgers clearly – had their worst guys out there. And, you know, I got to prop one of our followers on Twitter saying, whenever a manager keeps going to guys in the bullpen, eventually you'll find guys not having a good night. And that's what happened. Dave Roberts found the guys not having a good night. No, and that's exactly it. When you look at the, the way this this worked out, it's the strategy that's gone for the last three, four years of getting into the bullpen earlier and earlier. And here for Rich Hill, having himself a nice outing, but must have been something Dave Roberts didn't like in, in what he might have gone through the second time through the order. Can't wait to hear his response to the criticism. We'll hear from Dave Roberts. we got John Paul Morosi joining us as well as we react to a classic game. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Buckle up, final hour of the Jason Smith Show. Jason and my best friend Mike Harmon live from the Geico Studios where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more in car insurance. More info, visit geico.com. The Astros left for dead in this game come from two runs down to tie it off of Kenley Jansen in the ninth. They take a two-run lead in the 10th after back-to-back home runs. The Dodgers tie it in the bottom of the 10th on a big hit by Kike Hernandez. They go ahead by two runs in the top of the 11th on a two-run homer by George Springer. And they withstand Charlie Culberson's solo home run. Culberson, who may have thought he tied the game, as excited as he was, going around the bases. One of the greatest <laughs> celebrations of a solo home run that brought you the, the score to a one-run deficit. <laughs> 
Uh, but that was not enough. Yasiel Puig strikes out to yeah. end it, and the Astros go back to Houston, up 7-6. More importantly, finding their bats. This was the best-hitting team in Major League Baseball all season long, and here they are now and joining us on the hotline. Second night in a row, but when you get one of the games like this, you know we're going back to John Paul Morosi, Fox Sports 1, MLB Network, insider extraordinaire. And, you know, JP, I before the series started, I, I said two things are going to keep me up at night. One thing if I'm A.J. Hinch and one thing if I'm Dave Roberts. And if I'm Dave Roberts, the one thing that keeps me up is the Astros were the best-hitting team by far, historically one of the greatest teams all-time single season. They're too good to not hit at some point. They did not hit at all against the Yankees, but now here it looks like they found their bats. That's what's going to keep me up at night. Well, Jason, Mike, uh, good evening, or uh, as it is here in the Eastern Time Zone, good morning here, uh, just past 1 a.m. Eastern. And, uh, yes, uh, you think about the Astros lineup, I love something that A.J. Hinch, the Houston manager, did today. And by that I mean he did nothing with the lineup (laughs) before the game. He kept it the same. Now, there was some legitimate thought to moving George Springer down, but it made sense to keep where he was for two reasons. Number one, he didn't really have another good option there. And number two, it would have sent a panicky message after game one. And so I think that A.J. Hinch, who has a really good feel for his team, made the right decision, and Springer rewards that faith with an immense home run in the 11th inning to be the decisive runs in this game. Um, and, and really, uh, George talked a short time ago on MLB Network about what that gesture on the part of A.J. Hinch meant to him and, and the confidence and how A.J. approached him uh, before the game saying, listen, I don't care what anybody else says, you're going to be my leadoff guy. Uh, it's just it's, That's great managing. There are, there are X's and O's that happen during the course of the game that, are, that can be great managing. But the players here, guys, they're all so good that getting them to the right place mentally, I think, is many, in many cases more important than the tactical decisions that you make during the course of the game. And that today was, I believe, a triumph for understanding your players on the part of A.J. Hinch today. All right, now you talk about Hinch, but Dave Roberts, somebody certainly, he was a genius earlier in the game. You know, he takes out Rich Hill after four innings, and it looked like he was working out, but... Jansen blows the save, and he's got nobody left in the 10th, and he goes to Fields who gets hit, McCarthy who gets hit, and now suddenly it's, boy, Dave Roberts took out Rich Hill needlessly after four innings when he was cruising and only threw 60 pitches. Right, and that may be the the decision that gets second-guessed a lot because, uh, of course, that, that was not a pinch-hitting situation, I think, uh, very consequently right. there. That was, that was him coming in there, and all of a sudden um, you had a – I think the situation was so early after four innings, it was not an urgent moment to get Maeda into the game there. As you point out, he had a reasonable pitch count. So that is debatable. And also a combination of underperformance and maybe – maybe a second-guessable decision there was removing Stripling after one hitter. That was, to me, Marlon Gonzalez had a huge at-bat with the home run, certainly off off of Jansen, and we're going to remember that for a long time. But Gonzalez's walk against Stripling in the seventh is what diverted the Dodgers from the path they wanted to be on. They wanted Stripling to, to get that game tomorrow without a man on base. He could not do that. 
um, and that was an awfully quick decision to get uh, Stripling out of the game and Morrow in, uh, and of course the Astros go on to score eventually on Morrow uh, in, in the next inning. Maybe he was a little weary from having come into the game in the middle of an inning the previous one. All of that adds up, and I think it's interesting that Morrow had gone six consecutive appearances, guys, without entering a game with a man on base. And the last time he had entered a game with a man on base, he gave up a run. He gave up a run tonight in a game the Dodgers lost in extra innings. And by the way, before we get too far afield of this, all the drama, which was incredible in extra innings, it all could have uh, been uh, been saved had it been uh, about uh, what two two more feet on Cody Bellinger's blast in the ninth inning. So that's what we talk about. Just those those tiny fractions of an inch on the barrel of a bat where this game turns. It turned on that ball hit by Bellinger, which was an absolute rocket. And uh, and if it had been a bit different, maybe if the ball had been carrying a bit more, which it certainly was carrying tonight in a big way, but if that ball goes out to right field, it is a very, very different World Series as we speak about it here. Uh, as uh, Now it's tied to, uh, 1-1 after uh, two games. Well, as we always talk about the, the game of inches and certainly here managerial decisions, you had Mana only goes an inning and a third before he gets pulled. That's supposed to be perhaps your bridge man, your long man, uh, and, and you don't get it there. But we were talking a lot about a, a pivotal at bat uh, as well. You'd gotten the home run from Jock Peterson, another a move and in inserting him into the lineup that looked like a master stroke for Dave Roberts, but then with an opportunity to just lift the fly ball and get a run home, he's swinging for the downs and eventually goes down on strikes. Very good point. And I think that you look at the way this Dodger lineup has, has functioned overall, um, they, they have been so reliant on the home run. Today illustrated that again. Let's think about how they scored. Peterson homer, Seager homer. There was the one base knock, a huge one, by, by Kike Hernandez. But everything else, Puig homer. Culberson homer. So, and, and it worked out fine for them in game one. They scored three runs on two homers. Uh, this has been their method for a lot of the postseason. And you do wonder now, the series moves back to Houston, where you got to think the Astros find a way to win at least one game, even if the Dodgers are, are really on their game. So we've got a good series on our hands here, and I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to come to a point. We saw, I think, a bit from the Astros tonight, and yes, they were very homer-reliant as well. But at least they finally had a knock with somebody on base, which had not happened. That's how they scored their first run in the third inning by Bregman. That had not happened for any Dodger opponent since the second game of the first round. So at least we saw the Astros build some momentum within innings. These were not all solo homers. These were sustained, productive series of at-bats by the Astros. And that, as much as anything, sets a really positive trend for them going back to Houston, whereas now the Dodgers have to contemplate for the first time their bullpen letting them down uh, in this postseason, which really had not happened before in a huge spot yet this October. So now they have to find a way to, to get up off the canvas at a point in the rotation where Kershaw's start does not come up again until game five, at least we think. Well, that's what he told so, us. That's what he told <laughs> us yesterday, we, JP. We, we need to see what happens next, of course. But uh, I do believe Kershaw, for now, guys, unless something has changed here in the early morning hours, remains scheduled to start game five and not game four for the Dodgers. Hey, JP, the uh, last Diaz play, which now is going to live in World Series infamy when <laughs> Nevensky comes in and the first thing he tries to do is pick Kike Hernandez off second base in the ninth. He throws it horrendously to the other side of the bag. Looks like it was going to go into center field. 
but it hits umpire Laz Diaz and rebounds to Altuve, so Kike Hernandez can't get to third. You could say it was academic because Chris Taylor flew out to end the inning, but you don't know. There could have been a wild pitch or a different pitch at that time with a runner at third. But watching the replays, do you think that Hernandez would have gone to third base if the ball had gotten to the outfield? Because it looked like Maben was there to back it up, and it might have been a close play at third. I'm trying to see if that would have been a definitive he was at third base, and, and that would have been the outcome of that had the ball not hit Laz Diaz. I am pretty sure he would have been on third base. Given Kike's speed, given the fact that Maben was still shading towards right field, I think he makes it to third base. Uh, it wouldn't have been an easy play for him, but, but I think he gets there. And, and you're right. Uh, your intuition on this is absolutely correct because that does change the at-bat. It, it, in some respects, depending on the pitcher-catcher combination, it can make the slider less of an option in the back of the mind of the hitter because he thinks, well, he's not going to want to spike one here and end the game. So it, it changes the at-bat in a very fundamental way. Um, yes, it was fluky. Yes, it was crazy. You can't blame Laz Diaz. He was basically standing where he was supposed to. He was basically, he was effectively seven to maybe even nine feet away from the base. When you, when you factor in how far back he was, that was a complete, uh, just a, a way off kilter throw by Davinsky. It looked like he had second thoughts about throwing it by the time he let it go, and then he just let it go. Um, what an amazingly fortunate play for Houston. Um, but I don't think the Dodger fans um, should blame Laz Diaz. That he did not cost them the game. There were many, many people in, in Dodger Blue that they could have uh, uh, thought about, and, and certainly a great number of guys that were wearing uh, road gray uniforms who, who did a lot to win the game. So Laz Diaz, to me, you're right, fluky story, uh, interesting story. Footnote, yes. Uh, conversation topic tomorrow, yes, on some level. But uh, the, the reason why the, the game was the, the result that it was, I would say no. Yeah, I think uh, you made a good point with Davinsky. He didn't want to throw the ball, and once he did, he's like, "I can peg this guy, and it's going to die right. It's going to die right where he stands." Yeah, yeah. Nobody well, likes Lance Diaz anyway. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> it was, that was quite. That was quite a play. I mean, that is something that. You don't often see, and again, he was so far away from second base. You just don't ever imagine an umpire positioned where he's supposed to be behind the play getting involved. It was just one of those very unique circumstances. We almost never see it, and of course, uh, maybe we'll see it in game three. Well, let's put it in historical terms now. Jason and I wildly entertained here. Guys running around the studio in all their Dodger gear, losing their minds. The people on the streets had their car flags raised. Where, where do you put this in the, in the annals of history? Is this one that we're going to be talking about years from now? I think so. I think this was a, this was a great game, too. I, I can't put it up there with Game 7 in 2014 and the amazing Bumgrounder game or Game 7 last year uh, or Game 6 in 2011. I think those are probably still a cut above in many ways. Uh, especially Game Seven with the Cubs last year was so was so unique, and then Bumgarner the historical nature of it. But this was just a great back and forth baseball game, and and there were some mistakes made, but there were no egregious malpractices of baseball. Let's say this was this was a, this was a well mostly well played game. Some questionable calls here and there, uh, but this was uh, to me uh, a demonstration of a great comeback by a great and very game team in Houston who uh, certainly you give up that lead and, and, and you probably think the game is over in the wrong direction if you're the Astros. But I give them credit. I give Verlander credit for coming back and really helping to rally his teammates as he did. So uh, this was just a great comeback 
by a really worthy team, and I think a very illustrative of the fact that we've got a great World Series going and uh, five more, we hope, I would say as an objective observer here, we hope five more great games to come. Yeah, I got it as like a periphery top 10 all-time game, JP. I got it comparable to uh, the Blue Jays-Phillies 15-14 game, uh, the Cardinals 10-9 game, the David Freeze game. That's kind of the game it was with that with so much back-and-forth action. It's got questionable strategy, and you got an umpire getting hit and a guy jumping into the bullpen. So, yeah, that's where I have We haven't even gotten him yet, uh, <laughs> whatever happened in right field. But, uh, but, yeah, I think there, there were a lot of things going on there. I, the, the thing about the freeze game, and I love having these discussions because it really kind of does open up your soul as a baseball fan about what we love the most. Freeze, I mean, that would have been, they were one strike away from the first title in the history of the Texas Rangers, which, by the way, that, that game, that's one of those games that becomes more significant as time goes on, like, like the 86 game was for the Red Sox for, for those decades that followed where the, the, what's happened since then makes it even more important. So we know now, in retrospect, that's La Russa's last game. That's, uh, or the, the penultimate game of his career, because, of course, he wins it in Game 7. That, that is the last great chance of the Rangers to win the World Series with, with Josh Hamilton. That was really, in some respects, one of the last great moments for Hamilton nationally. So that there were so many, I think, with the benefit of perspective, that game becomes so rich. And also, as we talk about the Rangers in Texas, uh, we, we have now tonight's game, the first win ever for the, for the Astros in the World Series. And you think about the, the arc of that franchise, and I mention the Rangers here, the oldest continuing franchise in, this, in North American pro sports that's never won a championship, the Texas Rangers. Second on that list, one year behind, was the then Houston Colt 45s, now the Houston Astros second oldest franchise in North American pro sports to never win a title. Third on the list, third on the list, and, and I can say this uh, because I think I actually turned off the Super Bowl in the second <laughs> half. I, I'm told they may have actually vacated their spot on this list is the Atlanta Falcons. And so there are probably those that stop watching the game who actually think they're no longer on the list. But sources tell me that, in fact, the Falcons did not win the Super Bowl, and so therefore they're still on this list. So you've got Rangers, Astros, Falcons in the tale of woe for North American pro sports. You can follow him on Twitter at John Morosi. No one better to talk baseball with than JP. Again, Twitter, J-O-N, John Morosi, MLB Network, Fox Sports 1 Insider. JP, as always, thanks for joining us again. We look forward my, to talking to you throughout pleasure, the series. An expert on streaks of NFL yes. futility. <laughs> and you know that why? Where do I live, gentlemen? Detroit! Uh, yes. The great state of Michigan. One yeah. playoff win since 1957. Hey, if you get a chance, go to a Pistons game. Double their attendance, will you? Can you help <laughs> I do bit? that, uh. and I also understand that the long-awaited Lions-Browns Super Bowl is <laughs> unlikely to occur this year. Is that correct? It is. As things stand right now, you will be uh, disappointed to not get that All game. All right. Well, we're going to uh. reprise the 1957 NFL title game very soon. Uh. Some point in time. <laughs> See you, JP. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> Great stuff from John Palmarosi. Coming up next. You're going to hear the two people I can't wait to hear from. Dodgers manager Dave Roberts, who is sitting down with the media. You're going to hear from him all about his decisions, the decision to take Rich Hill out of the game, coming off blowing the game the way the Dodgers did. That's all coming up next right here, Fox Sports Radio. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show. Jason and my best friend Mike Harmon live from the Geico Studios. 
Great news. You want to save money, go to Geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could be saving 15% or more on car insurance. You want something next level before we get to Dave Roberts. Obviously, the last Diaz play from the World Series is going to be a big deal. The Dodgers had the winning run at second base. Davinsky comes in, tries to pick Kike Hernandez off, throws it horrendously to the shortstop side of the bag. It was going into the outfield, but it hits Laz Diaz in the thigh, bounces right back to Jose Altuve. Chris Taylor flies out to end the inning. I wonder if Hernandez could have come all the way around to score at the end. Watching the replay as many times as I've seen it now in the last few minutes, he threw the ball pretty hard. You know, Davinsky threw the ball pretty hard, and Maben was shaded to right center field a little bit. Now, he was coming in to get it, but could Kike Hernandez have come all the way around to score and end the game? That's going to be something you think about for a long time. Because, you know, at that point, with all that momentum, Hernandez around third, make Cameron Maben, who's new into the game, defensive yeah. replacement, who hasn't played, make him make a throw to the plate. I know you got Chris Taylor up, but you got a guy around in third, and maybe you have that chance because Hernandez was taken off. As soon as the ball was by, he was gone. And then it hit Diaz and obviously had to stay at second base. But I wonder if he could have come all the way around to score. I think he drilled him on purpose. <laughs> More I look at it, double clutches as we were just talking with John Paul Morosi. He turns, like, oh, I got to get rid of it because otherwise, you know, I got problems. And so he drills him. Mm. And it doesn't get quite far enough away. I think it would have definitely, they would have put the pressure on Maven to make a throw if that had gotten through. And everybody lot, hates Laz Diaz No, anyway, but that's the other so thing. I mean, happy. A, lot, a lot of Twitter love for, I've always wanted to do that, and I bet you many major league players and managers have wanted to do that. Uh, the best one was uh, from C.J. Nitkowski, our old friend, Laz Diaz. Last pick for dodgeball in grade school. <laughs> So that's something Dodger fans, the last Diaz play could go down in infamy in World Series history as one of the plays 100 years from now people are talking about it. Uh, but right now we're talking about Dave Roberts. Roberts on the hook for questionable decisions, taking out Rich Hill after just four innings, using up all his best relievers, having nobody left in the 10th and 11th innings when the Astros went yickety on the scoreboard with home run after home run. Here he was just a few moments ago meeting the media talking about the game, and first he was asked, hey, uh, Skip, do the Astros kind of remind you of the Dodgers a little bit? They do. Uh, there, there's a lot of parallels. Um, you look at the uh, offensive power. Um, these guys, they can do a lot of things, and they fight till the last out. They play 27 outs, and uh, that's the same thing we do. And uh, it was, it was uh, one of those games that um, just ran out of outs. Um, but those guys, to their credit, Against a very good bullpen, they uh, tacked on runs, kept going. In the far back, Dave. Ken? Dave, how much thought did you give to bringing in Jansen for a clean inning if you were going to go to him with a six-out save? Um, I, I thought about it. I, I thought about it, um, but I just felt that where uh, Morrow's pitch count was at right there, and uh, we had him being able to go um, one-plus. So I just felt that um, Bregman had a really good at-bat against Kenley the, the night before or last night, and I felt that if uh, – you know, Brandon can can get um, Bregman, then uh, I was going to go to Kenley then. Uh, standing in the far back, we're getting the gentleman the mic. Hi there. Uh, can you describe that roller coaster of emotions, you know, through those innings of going up, tying, and then obviously loss? It was, it was I mean, honestly, it was, it was a, an exciting baseball game. Uh, it, it's two teams that 
competed for 27 outs. And uh, yeah, it was an emotional roller coaster. Um, there were some big plays defensively, some big pitches made, um, some obviously some big hits, some big homers, and um, the focus was there. Guys were playing hard, so on, on both sides. And uh, unfortunately, we came up short. Um, we, we didn't expect these guys to lay down. You know, it's a very good ball club over there. So, uh, you know, take the day tomorrow, and, and we'll be ready to go. Our right center towards the back, Ramona. What was the thing of just taking Rich out after four? Was there a chance he would go longer, or was the situation? Um, there, there was a there was a chance. Um, I, I just felt that right there at the top of their order coming up, and with the way our bullpen's been throwing, and you look back behind that, we had three scoreless innings after that, and so. Uh, to just trust that the guys behind them and the bottom line is, you know, I'll take Kenley any day of the week uh, with a one run lead going to the ninth inning. To your left, Dave, in the second row. Uh, Dave, it seemed like um, over here, uh, it seemed like their offense kind of woke up and, and they seized momentum. What do you guys do when you go down to Houston to, to try to stop that? Yeah, I, I think that all year long we've done a nice job of, you know, recovering, turning the page, whether it's, it's a big win or, or it's a tough loss and just refocusing on the day at hand. So, um, yeah, it's a travel day tomorrow, and our guys played to the end. It was actually a very hard-fought game. So those are tough. Those are tough, obviously, on this stage. Uh, makes it a little bit tougher, but I have no doubt we'll come refocused. So there's Dave Roberts talking about the game. I, this is why I couldn't be a major league manager. I'd walk in and go, are you kidding that we lost that game? Are you kidding that we lost? You, you, what? Next question. You. You're cool. Although I gotta say, you, I'm, out. I'm still extremely jealous of whoever the guy is calling out the names. You of the love people. that guy, don't you? Uh, let's get into the back there. I mean, just the raspiness and the deep. I don't. It's such a unique voice. I just feel like there needs to be a stand-up bass uh, underneath it. in the back. Like, why doesn't people? Everybody is talking. There's not a baby sleeping in the next room. Uh, let's be quiet. Let's see you in the back. Hey, uh, Jim, in the back. Go ahead. For why, all you why, know, why he, people he say covered that? golf for 30 years. I mean, you uh, don't know. Let's uh, in the back there. Shh. Shh, baby sleeping. In the far back, Dave. Ken? Uh, let's see. But just the way he talks raspy, but he still can project it. Ah, I'd love to have that voice. You can keep working on it. Uh, we'll talk you out. Uh, Jason Smith's show here on Fox in the back. Mike Harmon. Is that going to end up in the next <laughs> list of impressions that you do? Uh, standing in the far back, we're getting the gentleman the mic. Uh, let's get him the microphone there. Uh, uh, that's Mike Harmon with the mic now. Let's uh, give it to him. All right, Dave, and, uh, I, I'm still not buying it. You took him out after him? four innings. You want to uh, go into that a little deeper? Dave Roberts, seriously. I mean, that's a huge second guess. It's a huge deal. And this is what shows you managers. They go from geniuses to people you want to just throttle in a moment because he went away from Rich Hill needlessly. He didn't need to go to his bullpen and bring in reliever after reliever. I know he thought, okay, I have this vision, but sometimes – Okay, you don't have to take out a – Rich Hill was cruising. This was good Rich Hill tonight. Struck out seven guys. He had cruised through the fourth inning. You know, it, it wasn't in a lot of trouble. He had Verlander up. They they intentionally walked Reddick to get to Verley. Struck out the last two guys of the innings. And so now suddenly in the 10th inning, you could have gone to Maida for three innings. I mean, you didn't you know, you know didn't need to worry about, hey, you bring in Maida in the 10th, it's okay. Maida can have it for three innings. And instead now you're at Fields and you're at McCarthy, who wasn't even on the roster uh, on, since October 1st, and now you, you're giving up home run after home run to the Astros. Well, but even to that end, you, you bring in Maida, and he only goes an inning and a third. So that's part two to it, right, is you take out Rich Hill for, in theory, a guy who's normally a starter to give you a, a longer bridge to your bullpen, 
and he only goes an inning and a third before you pull him. So that that's the other raise raise the hand. Why didn't you let him work a little more to get out of that inning and keep pushing? Eight seven seven ninety nine on Fox Twitter at How about a Fresca? That's Twitter at How about a Fresca? The Jason Smith Show. Jason, Mike Harmon coming up next. You'll hear from AJ Hinch, Astros manager, who was doing backflips and something that happened tonight. A callback to one of the most famous plays in Major League Baseball history. To your left, Dave, in the second row. But uh, first, let's uh, guy in the back with the update, Tom Looney. Okay, uh, thank you. Go ahead. Hi, guys. Uh, 20 years from now, when guys are sitting around talking baseball, well, men and women and transgenders are sitting around talking baseball, some guys might find it hard to believe that Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, and George Springer once played on the same team. And those three guys and their big bats are the reason Houston Astros and their fans are partying tonight. It's that one goodbye. Back-to-back jacks for the Astros. First Altuve and then Correa. And that ball is gone. A two-run home run for George Springer. And the Astros are back on top. It's 7-5. Seven 7-6 to seven to six was your final in a wild extra inning game. Rob Ford, the call Sports Talk 790 Houston. Dodgers-Astros World Series goes to Houston for Game 3 Friday night. The series is tied 1-1. Last two NBA games of the night. Golden State wrapped Toronto 117-112. Steph had 30. Kevon Looney didn't play. At Staples Center, Lakers Hogwarts of the Wizards 102-99. Lakers teenage phenom Lonzo Ball. A single double, 6 points, 8 rebounds. 10 assists. And we now forge forth into the night, breaking down World Series Game 2 scientifically with Jason Smith and Michael Harmon on Fox Sports Radio. Thank you, Mr. Looney. Sure. Appreciate it, buddy. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show. Live from the Geico Studios, call 1-800-947-AUTO. Find out how much you can save on auto insurance. An underrated moment from this game. If you remember in the Steve Bartman game, which, look, who... Can't doesn't remember the Steve Bartman game when the Cubs blew a big lead, losing to the Marlins. I was finishing a, a class for my MBA, at, and I went in, and the, the Cubs are comfortably ahead. I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to come out. They're going to be celebrating, whatever. I get in the car right as the Bartman play happens. <laughs> like, wow, this got interesting really fast. There's your random anecdote. Before all the blame goes to Bartman, who got in the way of a fly ball that Moises Alou could have gotten, what – is really at the heart of this was the pressure was too much for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that ball wasn't caught, Moises Alou was screaming for fan interference. Dude, you're five outs away from the World Series. Just go back to left field and play. But Alou starts yelling. He slams his glove and he points up and he says, oh, this guy, this guy, this guy. Mark Pryor comes off the mound pointing and the Cubs lose focus because they melted down following that play when they still had the game well in control. And what happened? The Marlins hit. Alex Gonzalez drops a double play grounder. The Marlins win. They go on to the World Series. They go on to win. And the Cubs can look at themselves and go, we lost our poise at that moment. We lost it. Tonight in the eighth inning, when Yasiel Puig doesn't get that double down the line by Redick. Now, he should have gotten it. It, it, it. He didn't really have to full extend dive. He dove halfway and it went off the heel of his glove and bounced into the stands. Pui gets up and slams his glove down, and he loses it. And Reddick gets a second base, and he sees it, and he's clapping, and suddenly this gives the Astros life. The Dodgers lose their poise. Puig loses his poise for a moment right there and gives the – hey, wait a minute. We're in this now. Wait, Puig is 
Puig is really pissed. It should have been just, okay, it's a double. We're up by two runs, and Jansen's coming in. Go back to right field and play. But Puig, because that's what Puig is, decides to go crazy and slam his glove down. The ass go, hey, wait a minute now. We got him on the ropes a little bit. They get that run in the eighth. They get the ninth to tie it. They hit the ball in the tenth and the eleventh. Very similar moments there where the Dodgers lose their poise and kind of open the gates a little bit for the Astros. Puig very Moises Alou-esque on that play. Yeah, just in terms of the flow, though, that you did have the pitching change. So, in theory, that should have at least put the brakes on it, right? You had, and let's go to the bullpen, breaking the action, brought to you by, insert sponsor here, uh, as as you roll through the, the progress of the game, that, in theory, that should have taken away that edge and the angst from Yasiel Puig. Certainly the views that we got here in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios off of Big Fox with, with Joe Buck on the call showed Puig and one of the great wind-ups of recent memory. That spike of his glove rivaled anything Rob Gronkowski has ever done. It's not quite hide-and-go-seek or duck-duck-goose or whatever was being played last week uh, in the NFL in terms of celebrations. But then you saw Puig down in a crouch staring at his feet and staring at the grass, and, and truly it weighed on him. I would like to think it didn't transfer to Kenley Jansen and any kind of weight there, but certainly the same result uh, as the Cubs back in 2003. Twitter at How About a Fresca, the Jason Smith Show. Jason, Mike Harmon live from the Geico Studios. We heard from Dave Roberts. How about A.J. Hinch, Astros manager, following the big victory and all the home runs the Astros hit? Let's I mean, hear. We were in it from the beginning. You know, Justin Verlander was very good. You know, we don't even talk about him. He's He starts the game and uh, gives up two hits and has to exit National League style. And, and then the game got really interesting. Marvin Gonzalez kicked it all off. We're not here if Marvin Gonzalez doesn't hit it, hit a, hit a ball to dead center field against the best closer in baseball. So um, obviously our, our guys were way in it. And, and obviously it's as, it's as upbeat and positive clubhouse as you'll ever get. To your right, AJ, third row, Michael. Their bullpen and their closer was their most consistent strength over the last three weeks. Is, do you feel better headed back to Houston knowing they're beatable, they're not uh, – they have a chink in yeah. the armor a bit. Well, we didn't come to LA thinking we couldn't beat them. We just we obviously proved it that we that we can we can put some really good at bats together against really good pitching. But um, you know they've had the best bullpen in, in baseball this postseason and, and much of the season. So we know it's a challenge anytime those guys are going to get in there when they get the lead. I mean Doc showed it today. He's going to go to the, the matchups as soon as he feels that he's got a little bit of an advantage. So. Um, you know, we know no matter where you go in that bullpen, you're going to find somebody that's had success, somebody that's good, somebody that can can get out specifically when they match you up, match up correctly. So, um, you know, that's why it's so important to get the lead. Now, keeping the lead seemed to be a little harder than even getting the lead for us. But, um, but again, that's that's you know one of the many reasons why they're here. On the far back, Eric. AJ, going back to the ALCS, you were getting questions about possibly dropping Springer. I mean, I mean, about two hours or four hours ago, I was getting questions yeah. about Springer. Well, continuing into this series, what right. gave you the confidence that this type of game was? He's an incredible player. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really ride the roller coaster with players. I, you got to believe in what these guys can do, not what they're not doing. You know, if you respond to every like, bad game or tough game, I mean, you'll, you'll bounce these guys around and ruin their confidence in a heartbeat. This is one of our best players, and and there's no need to to panic over a bad night against Clayton Kershaw. Um, and I don't care if it's a bad night against any pitcher. This is this game is really, really hard. Our guys and in, in, in the Dodgers make it look really easy, but um, it's a hard game, and there's a ton of failure involved. So 
I believe in players, and I specifically believe in George. And, and tonight is an, is an example why he wasn't broken. His swing's not bad. He's, he's not gone for the series. He, he had a bad night and came back with one of the, one of the best nights. Uh, left center aisle, four rows back. Uh, let's go to uh, the guy in the back, uh, left center. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know why I'm obsessed with that guy's voice. I don't know what it is. He should do the commercials. Far back, Dave. Ken? Uh, don't forget, everybody got tacos tonight for... Uh, because I can't, I can't even project like he does when I'm whispering, but he can whisper and be hoarse and project his voice. Well, I think they turned it up to 11. <laughs> and yes, now you've That's referenced... Horse, horse with an A. Horse with an, with an A. Yeah, musket. Uh, let's uh, make sure you redeem that Taco Bell Doritos coupon uh, in the back. Go ahead. Uh, standing in the far back, we're getting the gentleman the mic... I have reached out to our man on the scene, John Paul Morosi. I know it's uh, nearly 2 a.m. for him, but that's something. If anybody's going to be able to answer the question of who is that man uh, with the raspy voice, it'll mm-hmm. be JP. Coming up next, we're going to do two things for you. Number one, you're going to hear from Kenley Jansen, who blew just his second save all season. Is he going to throw Yasiel Puig under uh, the bus? I don't know. And plus, we're going to put together the best of that guy from the last two nights. Nice. Uh, Coming up next on uh, Fox. Be sure to catch live editions of the Jason Smith Show weeknights at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'll bring Kenley Jansen in for a six-out save. I'll bring him in good. Fox Sports Radio, the Jason Smith Show. Jason, Mike Harmon, live from the Geico Studios. Great news. You want to save money, go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you could save 15% or more on car insurance. Uh, one thing to say tonight, we have an incredibly hardworking staff that every night brings it, whether it's on this side of the glass, that side of the yeah, glass. Yeah, buddy. In the back, our editors every single night. And tonight, Justin Frostberg was ill and had to leave right before the show started. Gavin Kinzel steps up to produce, and Katie and Robert cutting sound tonight, getting everything ready for us, everything you've heard tonight. A phenomenal job stepping up. This is what happens, and I wanted to point out a great night by everybody. And maybe a B or B-minus night by Tight Shirt, you know, as well. Wow, a B tonight, huh? But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm feeling, you know, know, we had a great, it was an incredible night tonight. I mean, C-plus, but then you you did a really good job. (laughs) (laughs) C-plus. Working through. Well, some, some we of the audio. The average. It depends on the play of the night, Gavin, how good of a night Well, but that's just has. it. Yeah. We start with the baseline, and then we elevate and escalate from there. I'll tell you what. You give me that B, or you don't get this play of the night. Wow. wow. I'll, I'll give you a B. We need the Thank play you. of the this night. This sounds like we're at North Carolina or one of these schools. <laughs> just give it have to you. I don't have to worry about the NCAA hey, saying hey. anything. We know you cheated and had a fraudulent class for 25 years, but yeah. you know what? No harm, no foul. You're not going to come down on us. Hey, North Carolina. Uh, Harmon in the back. Uh, the guy who jumped into the Astros' bullpen in the middle of the game yeah. during the Astros' comeback was and his arrested. name is John Cena. That would have been something. That would have been a hell of a move to promote Daddy's home, too. I'm going to fill you up with protein, Astros' bullpen. You fill up with green protein. Uh, the guy was arrested. He should have been arrested because he was wearing jean shorts. Well, I mean, number one, take my protein, Amy. Just walking green around, walking wow. around in jean shorts. He you was should just be arrested. emulating John Cena. You can't wear jeans. <laughs> Come on, jean shorts. Come on, man. Really? But he was arrested. Uh, probably not capris. I think they were actually cut off jean shorts, which is even worse. Either way, legitimately got just over the fence. Two security guards were on him before his feet hit the ground. <laughs> Um, before the play of the night, let's hear from Kenley Jansen, who blew just his second 
save of the season. Came in for a six-out save, gets hit unlike we've seen Kenley Jansen get hit in the last couple of years. The most shocking of developments tonight. Let's hear from the Dodgers' closer following the loss. You, oh, you, <laughs> you, you're cool. You, I'm out. That was in response to, <laughs> response to a question about Puig. Is that what? No, no, no. Well, let's hear from Jansen. Can you talk about facing Marlon Gonzalez and what happened and, and that comment you made in your native language? It's just flat, man. It's just I'm human. Uh, you can't do nothing about that. Um, you just got to get rest today, tonight, you know, looking forward for tomorrow. Um, the two best pitchers is it's not pitching the next two, so you just got to go out there and take advantage of that. All right, so there's Kenley Jansen. And look, the Dodgers, you got to have a short memory. That's that's how it goes. You got I mean look memory of a cornerback to switch sports for a moment. This is a game number one periphery, one of the top ten World Series games of all time. Very similar as I've talked about to the fifteen fourteen Blue Jays Phillies game of ninety three, the eleven ten Cardinals Rangers game, the David Freeze game from six years ago. That's what it was. Dave Roberts tremendously in question, pulling Rich Hill earlier than he could have and should have because Rich Hill was cruising burning up a lot of bullpen guys, having nobody to go to in the 10th inning, following Jansen's meltdown in the ninth. The guy getting arrested. Yasiel Puig going very Moises Alou-esque, slamming his glove down after not making a play in the field, helping to give the Astros life, much like Alou did in the Bartman game in 2003 with the Cubs and the Marlins. So many twists and turns to this game. The last Diaz play. A pickoff play in the ninth inning that maybe, maybe Kike Hernandez could have come all the way around from second to score if Laz Diaz did not get in the way of the ball. If the Astros win this series, they will talk about that play for 75 years. It will be like we'll talk about that play now, like we talk about Merkel's boner from 1908 and all those big crazy ass plays from Major League Baseball 75 years well, ago. It'll be more It will be that big a deal. It'll yeah, be well, that big a deal, that play. Deep, deep dive as you, you look at it, Davinsky. Turns, fires. I have to question to some degree if he didn't see a target there saying, ah, if I throw it off him, and it's only going to bounce so far, so he's not going to try to advance. But certainly the trajectory of the ball and, and where it would have ended up in left center field, potential for Hernandez to just try to put the pressure on Maven and see if he can get around to score. So for, for Dodger fans, the ones that hadn't left, uh, that's going to be a play that's going to live for quite some time. Now, with all of these things tonight, many of these things could be the play of the night. George Springer's home run. Yeah. Marwin Gonzalez's home run off of yeah. Jansen. Yasiel Puig hitting a home run and laying yeah. his bat down. Final out of the game, Puig striking out. Culberson but rounding the bases. As thinking maybe the game was tied and he was celebrating so much. Yeah, it was like he won uh, Rock and Jock. Oh, wait, you mean it's 7 Oh, I thought it was 6-5. Oh, Dallas oh, Keuchel mocking my him. In the postgame saying, it's like he won the World Series. Culverson maybe thought the game was tied. I'm very, very excited about oh, it. Oh, Tim, it's not about you. He said he, he just had adrenaline flowing. But instead, the play of the night, maybe the guy I'm most jealous of. The guy from Major League Baseball who calls on the reporters in the postgame with the hoarse voice that projects through a microphone. <laughs> and I am incredibly jealous of it. So let's hear the best of him from tonight. In the far back, Dave. Ken? Uh, standing in the far back, we're getting the gentleman the mic. Uh, to your left, Dave, in the second row. To your left, Dave, Joel. Uh, up right up front here, Barry. Hey. To your right, AJ, third row, Michael. On the far back, Eric. Uh, left center aisle, four rows back. To your left, Dave, Tyler. Other questions for Dave? <laughs> I love the 
That's brilliant. You're up to a B. Yeah, we'll give him a B. I got him fumbling. Like, come on. He's got to get up and down for a chance at a birdie and to force a playoff with Garcia. All right, B plus. Uh, we had a baby sleeping right behind here, so let's uh, ask your questions quietly, shall we? He's the whispering Jeff Fisher. <laughs> Twitter and how about a fresca coming up next, my buddy Ben Maller. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at first, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to Stan, the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.